0: coming to you live from inside my bedroom closet. I'm Johanna Stauffer, and with me as always is some sort of weird dog out there. Please send help. And this is the Mildly Alarming Podcast. Episode 10 10 B-Man, Champion of Heroics. Hey, dickbag, wake up. We have a podcast to record. <laughs> you said a learning. Dummy.
1: But welcome back. We're glad to have you here. I'm Tom Rich.
0: And I'm Johannes Stouffer,
1: And wide awake. And uh, this is the mild Learning Podcast, the show where we talk about things that are scary, but not too scary.
0: Or board games, but not too board
1: games. Right. They're just... they're They're close, but not really. It's like... It's played on a table, but it's actually a full game of
0: cricket. I'd try that. Yeah, it would be hard to do. That's a dexterity game, I guess. It's it's hard to get that. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that on another episode. <laughs> it's hard Because get... this week we're talking about something yeah.
1: else. It's hard to get that many Englishmen on one table. Or Indians. I think the correct, politically correct term. <gasps> oh my term. God.
0: <laughs> no, please finish the sentence.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know, actually have that. i like... <laughs> I was looking for something to involve the word subcontinental, but that's oh. that's
0: really all I had. I feel like calling it the subcontinent is somehow diminishing it in some way. Really? I don't know. Sub generally has a you know a negative connotation. Yeah. I feel like the way that people jump on things that aren't offensive and make them offensive—that's something they would jump on, but you, they haven't yet. Yeah, but you could spin it positive. It's like it's it's not. It's like we're a special part.
1: Of Asia, we're our own piece. That's distinct and unique from the other. Yeah, ones. but we you are... could
0: make that exact same argument about waitress versus waiter.
1: That's true. In this case, I think I mean it's referring. To, isn't it referring to like a geologic fact? Like it's actually a separate
0: place. Actually, don't know. Is it? Is it because it's on a different plate?
1: I thought it was that it, it's on a different plate than most of the rest of Asia, and that's how you get the Himalayas. I, that's what I. That's that was what I thought. That would make sense. I, mean, I, do,
0: I don't actually think it's offensive. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised it hasn't been made that way yet. Sure. Sure. So uh, this, this has been Political Correctness with Tom and Johannes.
1: Yeah, it's uh, not a good podcast. It's the worst. You probably shouldn't take our advice on what, uh, that's, if, what like, is and is not PC.
0: It's better than Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher, but so is everything else.
1: Yeah, screw Bill Maher. That guy sucks.
0: He's pretty terrible. I don't like him. So Bill Maher, if you're listening, we don't care for you. Did you hear? I read this. This is from Cracked. So, you know, a humor website, but a humor website that cites more accurate sources than pretty much any news source that i read sure. at any given time uh and they had a an article i think it was like something about top 10 t- 10 documentaries that totally lied to you or something mm-hmm. i forget what the headline actually was um but one of them was uh bill mars religulous or Re- religulous or however they say mm-hmm. it and th- this is the thing i've heard said many many times by other people as fact uh th- that that uh, he he cites a very specific like Egyptian creation myth or, or Messiah kind of myth. Um, some Egyptian gods supposedly did exactly all of the things mm-hmm. that uh, happen in the New Testament and the Bible, except it's all there, it, no, none of that is true. It's absolute outright falsehood and the only other source that uh, has ever mentioned this prior to. Bill Mars movie and then all of the people who have spouted it after him mm-hmm. is another older anti-religious mockumentary by another guy who cited zero sources and did no research so there's actually no uh no factual evidence backing up any of the things that he says in that in that film I thought that was interesting there was also some pretty good ones about super size me and how scientists are completely unable to reproduce that guy's results <laughs> and a bunch of other good this is a good article it's worth a read i'll try to remember I think, to put I the think, uh, link in the show notes i
1: think i remember reading that one a while back yeah it's pretty good do you hear about the other guy like speaking of supersizing there's that other guy who for some ridiculous
0: number of years has lived on nothing but big macs well it's not nothing but big macs it's he's had a big mac every day since I the big it, mac came out i thought it was he only ate big Macs. Oh, it might be that Like he bought He would buy like multiple Big Macs and like store them. He keeps the boxes, and he and he buy he buys many of them. I'm pretty sure it comes out to about a Big Mac a day. Sometimes he has Mm -hmm. more than one, but I think it might also be that that all that's all he's eating. I I thought it was all he ate. Yeah, like he was in reasonably good health. He's in very good health, despite eating a Big Mac, uh, eating either
1: a Big Mac a day or nothing but Big Macs. Yeah, health is weird and confusing, and it's
0: and it's scary. So the, I I did read that story, and part of it was strange in that it was, like, it's not quite verified. Like, it seems verified. He has a lot of receipts. Mm-hmm. And, like, if anything, he still eats an absurdly high number of Big Macs. Right. We'll try to, I think there was a Snopes article that I read. There's There's mm-hmm. been a few references to it, but we'll try to link these in the show notes as sure. well. So you can read up on our yammering. But, but yeah, like, if if you look at the, because he also has a Coke. He has a Big Mac and a Coke. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at the like breakdown of the nutritional value of what he actually eats, like he's well below the like average caloric mm-hmm. intake.
1: Yeah, because my 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 vague
0: memories that he that's like all he eats. He doesn't eat much else. Yeah, he said something like, "I think I had a McRib back in the eighties or something." Like it was it was <laughs> hilarious. It was like something else from McDonald's. I, I thought it was he tried a oh, a Whopper. It at, might be. Oh someplace. yeah, that's right. Yeah. He did. And he, was have, like, talk and about he was like, that. Oh, "I don't
1: want that." I'm like, "It's the same burger." <laughs>
0: I I don't know. Like for garbage fast food burgers, I think the Whopper is demonstrably worse because it just tastes like the grill instead of like mm-hmm. salt. I don't know. I guess it depends on what you're into.
1: I, I suppose, yeah, I don't know. Uh
0: weird stuff. So, health is weird and
1: terrifying because it's it's pretty like you go into it and you you even if you attempt to play by the published guidelines eat things that are healthy you're coming in with such an asymmetric set of stats compared to other players in the don't die of malnutrition game that it's kind of hard to judge what what, what to do right Uh so you're that's my segue into the topic for today
0: (laughs) (laughs) i've already talked about how if you point out something was a segue it's no longer a good segue right
1: Yeah, but I don't think that's true because I saw a guy going through the airport on one and I'm like, hey, check out that Segway and he was Just rocketing
0: down the road on a Segway. Bicycle helmet? No, he was fine. Did he have a bicycle helmet? No, 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 no. Because that's my favorite. No, he was was just going around. The security guards at the mall ride Segways and they wear bicycle helmets. And it's just my favorite.
1: Well, anything else would be unsafe.
0: They're just not even... They're probably required to. It's probably like an OSHA regulation. Probably, yeah. But they look hilarious. They do. They look goofy.
1: Uh, So our topic for today is variable player powers and asymmetric games. So sometimes in a game that you're playing with other people, Uh each player cannot do exactly the same things. And what do we think about that? That's the topic for today. That's what we're talking about. I have nothing to say on that. On
0: the Neither do I. Let's talk about fast food burgers some more. <laughs> I'm actually just making a quick note to actually put those things into the show. Notes.
1: Oh, good call. That's a good smart, the smart thing to do. So, like for example, in uh, Eclipse, my go-to game for demonstrating things because I like it a lot. Uh, each player's race might have different powers. So, if you're playing as the Terrans, just as a real cheap example, each time you take the move action, you can move up to three of your ships. Mm-hmm. But for most alien races, when you take that action, you only get to move two. So that's an example of an asymmetric thing. One player, just by virtue of which faction they're playing or which power they took or which character they are, can do things no other player can do. Mm-hmm. Um, You see this to a lesser degree in like RPG-type games, like D&D, obviously. Each player's got their own unique stuff, and that's kind of a major draw. Or um, uh, Arkham, each character has unique powers. They can do it as their own st- spread of stats, but really... Uh, I think it more applies in game in in competitive e type games where you do have a unique set of powers and you're not just characters who happen to have different stats on the same general grid. If that makes sense, mm-hmm.
0: we played again um, Cosmic Encounter this weekend, and I feel like that game's asymmetry among player powers is more pronounced than it is in. Uh, eclipse.
1: Yeah, it's more pronounced I think in Cosmic because Cosmic doesn't have any base stats that are the right. same from race to race, really, or, or not as many. It's got your number of planets and number of flying saucers you start with are the same. That's about it. Right. And so really the your entire play experience is defined by the unique power your race has. Right. That's all there is to make differentiate one race
0: from the other. Yeah, and then the flare cards, which basically sure. just take the, the races available and a few others and, and give some version of their uh, power to yeah. whoever has the card. But yeah, so they're more asymmetric because like so w- we played this weekend and and Gary had uh a really powerful card. So, quick rundown of uh, in Cosmic when you fight
1: yep. another player, you can either you can choose to either play a combat card which is just a number and higher number wins or you can play a negotiate card and if you both play negotiates you get to just make a deal. That's great. But if you play a negotiate and a combat The combat card just sort of tramples
0: the negotiate card. Combat card automatically wins, but has to pay reparations, which is some cards out of your hand.
1: Right. But Gary had a special power that meant when he played a negotiate and the other guy played a combat, Gary wins. Automatically. Automatically, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And that warped the game dramatically around him. Uh, Would you say that's fair? Yeah. So we're all planning our moves vocally, like outright saying, well, I would like to do this move. I would like to fight you. You know, I would like to take on Johannes here and and play big cards, but or I would like to negotiate with you, Johannes, but I need to save my negotiate for when I take on Gary. Yeah, because Gary can beat me automatically if he has a negotiate and I need one so that I can, you know, trade with him. Yeah. So it really that in that case, that's a case of an asymmetric power just just. Forcing the game in a given direction. Yeah. That's what's interesting about them is that they can make that kind of very unique gameplay experience. If that particular race hadn't been in the game, it plays very differently. Everybody makes very different choices. Yeah. Um, flip side of it, sometimes it doesn't matter so much. Like my special power in that game was whenever a player got attacked, even if I wasn't involved, I could kill one of the attacked player's ships.
0: I actually expected that to make you a lot more of a target than it did. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think it would have made you way more of a target than it did if Gary hadn't had the card that he had. Yeah. Um, But yeah, pretty much all of the the special abilities... So at the beginning of the game, you pick a race, and it gives Mm -hmm. you one special ability that you can use no matter what... Well, almost no matter what. If you lose all of your worlds, you can't use it, but I've never seen that happen. Mm -hmm. But everything is... Basically, they set out a base set of rules. This is how combat works. This is how the game works. And then everyone gets a race card that in some way breaks one of those rules. Some people can steal cards. Some people can, t- you know, Tom's, Tom's could automatically kill a ship had to, in fact, mm-hmm. had no choice but to kill some, whoever's, whoever was targeted, lost a ship. And, and it's kind of fun because with the expansions and stuff that Devin has, there's yeah. like something like 150 races it's, to choose it's from. It's comedy style. How many races there are in that game? Which means every play is different. We, we've, Never not had a blast with that game.
1: Yeah, Cosmic's a lot of fun, and it really does the asymmetric thing very well because e- each asymmetric power feels ve- feels extremely different one from the other. Yeah, I've never had a game where I felt like, well, our powers are different, but only in a cosmetic sense, and I don't really care.
0: Yeah, y- you do see that in games often. I wish I could think of an example off the top. Well, okay, so if you look at Warcraft, you remember Warcraft one.
1: I don't. I never played Warcraft. Oh, so 1. in
0: Warcraft One, there were only two races you could choose from: there were orcs and humans. And I might be not giving it enough credit, but as I remember it from my childhood, Warcraft One, the orcs and the humans were virtually identical. Mm-hmm. They just had different skins. So I, th- I think Warcraft One was
1: actually identical
0: yeah because in warcraft
1: 2 they were identical too. like the the ogres were equivalent to the knights in statistics they had
0: different spells at least the the, the, spells were the only difference yeah
1: and so that was a slight asymmetric
0: yeah by warcraft 3 it was wild all bets were off starcraft
1: was the big one that really pushed starcraft
0: was the one that did that and starcraft ran i I won't say ran into problems but there because i guess there were strategies for all of them Mm -hmm. but at least at a like beginner level pretty much like Protoss would destroy you, mm-hmm. and and like Zerg had to win early or they were wrecked. Mm-hmm. And Terrans yeah. were like, before you could really make Terrans work against other non-computer players, you had to know what you were doing.
1: I was never any good at actual Starcraft, though. So I,
0: I yeah, know. I mean, we only pretty much played with each other, computers, and and the occasional person who destroyed us on Battle.net.
1: Yeah, that wasn't fun. Yeah, traumatic memories.
0: So, um, this this is actual accurate description of of asymmetric gameplay and pl- and player powers um where it's not quite so divided like we were mm-hmm. talking about with with cosmic and with with eclipse and and whatever uh my thought when i hear asymmetric player powers is is a way more divided it's mm-hmm. way more asymmetrical it's not just you have one power that no one else has like in cosmic or you have wildly different but still like at some level they've been balanced somehow like starcraft or warcraft 3 like the the protoss are super powerful but they're really slow to build so getting enough units to do the damage that you can do with them takes longer the zerg do less damage but you can make like a bazillion of them really fast (laughs) and so in a way that balances out i'm thinking about and i wish i had an example of a game that we didn't make that does this but what i'm thinking of is um uh, trolls versus dragons which mm-hmm. began as kind of a joke on the show and then we started working on it and we've brought it up several times i think anyone who has suffered through all of the episodes should at least have a fair idea of the game mm-hmm. but it, it is what it sounds like it's trolls versus dragons and they
1: and, work in markedly different ways they're, they're
0: entirely different there's no comparison mm-hmm. the player controlling trolls is controlling multiple units that move around on the ground and have melee or maybe thrown attacks. The player controlling the dragon is controlling one giant, super powerful unit. Mm -hmm. And there's, other than that, they both do damage to one another and they both have a victory condition. In any version of the game we've made so far, there's no further comparison between the two they're completely asymmetrical they're totally different sure um and i don't know how often that's done that's that's what springs to mind to me though when i hear asymmetric player powers variable player powers
1: yeah it's more usual you get things like cosmic or eclipse where it's it's races or or factions that are set on the same general framework yeah that have some way of, of warping that framework around them i mean even even starcraft does that yeah i mean the Protoss, they're still building buildings that then build units that then go blow each other up.
0: And there's there's an almost one-for-one, one, you know, yep. st- I don't even remember, it's been so long since I've played, but they all have, a, you know, a building that makes air units, another building that yeah. allows them to make better air units. They right. all have the same, roughly the same number of air units. Mm-hmm. Like, they have a starting ground unit, they have a slightly better ground unit, they have a sort of a vehicle-based ground unit and then a really powerful kind of tank vehicle-based ground unit that that all kind of mm-hmm. happens for all three races despite a lot of asymmetry in Star in starcraft
1: and, and part of what goes on there is that it's very like it's a pain in the butt to balance asymmetry yeah like if, if i if like look at look at chess to go to to go the opposite and to the most symmetrical game you can imagine right the, the the factions are set up identically. They're facing each other. They've got the exact same number of pieces. Um, It's about as symmetrical as you can almost get. Yeah. And it's pretty balanced.
0: I think it is as symmetrical. Uh, uh, the only asymmetry in that is the necessity that one player has the first turn.
1: Right. And I think that actually does give White a slight advantage.
0: It does. But so, I, I don't know how much. I don't, I, I don't think it. I don't imagine it's a ton at the end yeah. of the day.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's, So that's. It's it's much easier to to ensure you're having a fair game if everything is identical. But yeah. it's also way less cool.
0: Well, I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. But for for any potential listeners left who haven't haven't been driven away by the way I in particular and we as a general rule feel about these sorts of games, there is something to be said for the absolute balance mm-hmm. of chess saying now the game isn't see what you can do with your your power that was given to you at the beginning like in cosmic or or whatever it's you have exactly the same things at your disposal who can do better with them right it's right. a completely different animal not just because the game was designed differently the the design of the game being different being completely one for one mm-hmm. means that now you're you're learning a completely different thing about the other players and you're you're playing a completely different game, not just because chess is not cosmic but because chess is not the s- type of game that cosmic is right right um and again, as has been stated many, many times, I don't find that interesting because I find it overwhelming mm-hmm. it's just too much, and I don't care to learn and memorize and strategize in that way if you were to take a few steps back from chess. There's a point at which I find strategy games interesting. And you could have even a, a one-for-one strategy game as long as it took a few steps back and had some plot points or whatever. We don't need to go into it again for the 200th time. But mm-hmm. So it, it's not necessarily worse. It's just different.
1: It's, yeah. It's
0: Well, I mean, we've built what is more or less a one-for-one strategy game in Big Man. Well, n- yes and no. So in Big Man, you start out one-for-one identical, but huh. you can pick up items and yeah items we'll call them items yeah. you can pick up meat swag to make you now it becomes potentially asymmetric because my picking up two extra speed does not give I, you two I, extra speed I guess speed.
1: when i think asymmetric versus not asymmetric i think of the starting game because i mean in a a even in a game that starts perfectly symmetrical, you're going to pick up advantages of position, of pieces remaining on the okay, board. Okay, fair enough. So you're going to get into a position where it's no longer symmetric yeah. by virtue of, of playing the game. Okay, fair enough. And, and so Big Man starts out that way. You all get the same dr- deal off... I guess you might argue it doesn't because the deal off the top of the deck at the start of the game, you're starting hand... or
0: you're already adding an ad- a, a, yeah. a random element.
1: Before you even really start playing. So there's yeah. a little bit of asymmetry there and that's, that's purely random, not choice of faction type stuff yeah uh no real way around that yeah but still you're starting you you, you start off pretty close
0: yeah that's um, a fair point
1: yeah i like asymmetry in games i think it's interesting and fun mm-hmm. um it's just cool too what, what what's what's it, it adds to me a certain fun of thinking. How would that game have gone if I was a different race? And it makes me want to play again because I want a different faction. Yeah. Part of what makes... Like, I feel like if Cosmic didn't have so many factions, I wouldn't want to bother with it. Yeah. Because the 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 central mechanics that underlay those different factions aren't enough fun to keep me coming back without goofy crap happening because of the different factions going
0: Yeah, up. I don't think I would want to... Even if I found a really, like a really powerful faction or or one that I was very good with mm-hmm. at, at least currently having played the game a few times mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to go back to them because I want to see what happens in the game with different factions. yeah, I want actually, to see how um, I can do with it. I want to see how they interact with other different factions
1: on on Saturday, I think one because you, you get two factions at the start and you pick one to play. Uh-huh I think one of the two that I drew was one I'd either played before or seen before, and I deliberately picked the other because yeah. I want to see something new. yeah this is kind of you know Eclipse I think runs afoul of this in that its factions aren't different enough to make them exciting. In that way to dive into. Like they're different. They can do different stuff. And if you're in if you find the strategy of the eclipse mechanics interesting, they they put enough of a spin on it that it's fun. But if you don't find that strategy interesting, playing it as a different race isn't going to be enough to draw you back in. Yeah. Uh and that's I think not a a downside, yeah, of their their version of asymmetry.
0: I still like Eclipse a lot, but It, it brings up an interesting Broader point, though. So we we often talk about games in design, um, and replay value. Mm-hmm. Like, how how often are people going to come back to this? Uh, and, and I think I won't say classic, but for us, uh, a a an instance of a game that lost its replay value very quickly was um oh I'm blank level seven not Omega Protocol. What was the just one that we escape had? escape level seven escape. We got seven plays out of it, Mm -hmm. one for each level. And after that, we'd seen what the game had to offer. And we said, good enough, and we don't play it anymore.
1: Yeah, there wasn't really anything there. There are some
0: fun mechanics, but not enough. Mm -hmm. Now, on the far opposite end of the spectrum, look at chess, which has no variation from a game setup standpoint in play there's not even that i've heard of like ways to set up your chess army in different configurations i mean they exist sure they i mean i mean someone made chess too which introduces different armies Mm -hmm. which is an interesting concept if i cared more about chess i think i'd find that very interesting if Mm -hmm. i cared a lot more about chess like enough to play i would probably be offended by that that's been my experience of people who give two (laughs) about chess yeah but where level seven is like, you've okay, seven totally different levels, but now you've done the seven, and you've done them, and why ever go back? You're done. Don't go back there. Chess is like, one level forever, and people have been playing it for hundreds of years. <laughs> so that's interesting. So the I, I, I don't want to come down on either side of the issue, because I tend to enjoy... I enjoyed seven mediocre playthroughs of one of each level of level seven more than i've ever enjoyed a game of chess sure and granted in elementary school but like when i was introduced to chess i was pretty into chess but i never really enjoyed it i enjoyed beating someone Mm -hmm. but i didn't enjoy like the strategizing and thinking i didn't think about it when i wasn't playing it sure i didn't care level seven had an interesting enough world that they built that I I still think about it. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that's kind of creepy. That could make a cool story setting or movie mm-hmm. or whatever. Or other game in that world that we haven't played yet. Right. So if you could marry the two, you can make a really, really great game. So the question becomes, is one more important than the other? And I would say no, except that... Look, chess has been around for hundreds of years.
1: Well, I mean, I think you've got to know a little bit about what kind of game you're making, too. Yeah, and what what it's trying to do. Like, Level Seven is unabashedly trying to tell a narrative across seven, you know, levels. Uh huh. Level Seven. Um, and it its mechanics are fine, but they're there to they're there to resolve the narrative, not to be the kind of mechanics you want to play out and explore and know in in depth. Uh huh chess as it's developed over centuries into the thing that it is today um people i mean people keep playing it not because it's telling an interesting story it's telling a basic war story right it's it's two armies are on the field and eventually somebody's king is dead or captured right um it it keeps getting played because the interactions among those pieces are intriguing once you start to see the matrix a little bit of how Uh they go and start to think and start to understand about this is how I can move them so that I put pressure here and that my opponent will think this way. And here's how I can put a fork in play and how that looks and how it actually opens me up to do this uh, move down the line. Uh, here's how I can transition from one type of strategy into another. There's a lot of interesting interplay in just how those pieces interact. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's not telling much of a narrative. See, it, it's really about I don't know that you can compare the two effectively cuz they're sure. trying to do such different things. Chess is about about a mechanical element on the table in front of you that you can then see and and work with and pull levers on. Uh-huh. Level 7 is a story. It's it's Level 7 is a short story, more or less. Yeah. Told in in, in board game form.
0: Well, can, if we let's go a little far afield of our our stated topic here, um two points, one is okay, three points. mm mm-hmm. Mhm first point is actually a question that i already asked but i'm going to ask it again sure Are mechanics more important less important differently important but somehow the same as story for us for us knowing knowing what we like that's an impossible question to answer across the board let me get sure. all three out or i'll forget them okay number two um not a question a point uh is uh there a problem created today where you couldn't if you create another game similar to chess and I'm not saying it's necessarily move move identical armies on a grid,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but something that is mechanically engaging enough to stand the test of time that chess has, if you were to create that today, could you even get it to market? Is the problem that if sure. chess were new today, no one would, or not enough people would care to get it out there? You know, the, the few, like, Wargamer types who 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 wanted a one to one strategy game to see who who was the better strategist didn't have enough to get it reprinted after the first run. Right. Right? Is that a problem? Is that is that a problem with marketing? Is that a problem with design today? Is is that a problem at all? Maybe it's not the case. Maybe it would. Mm-hmm. Uh and I forget what the third point was already. Sorry. I feel like it had something to do with chess too, but it's okay. I've been drinking, it's the end of the day, my Adderall is worn off. ADHD, ADHD forever. My associate, those two points are good.
1: My associate has powerful attention deficit disorder. It's he ac- real bad. He actually just left the studio to go chase a purple truck. So he'll be back at some point. But I'll, I'll start talking. He
0: won't know the difference.
1: Is it okay to mock ADHD on the air?
0: We can do it because, like, because I have it.
1: Am I going straight to hell for that? It's like how... You're right. It is just like that. I know. Okay, so uh the two questions you managed to get out before your brain stopped working. Um mechanics more important than story, story more important than mechanics, other way around, same importance but differently important. Um I feel like it's from my perspective uh from the kinds of games I like from the from the kinds of things I like I'm I'm a I'm a weak need like liberal arts major type of guy so my my answer to almost everything is it's all important but in a different way you have to look at the particular thing you're looking at right like I never want to make a hard universal judgment like well much of the time maybe but also sometimes the other thing but I would say we're talking about board games we're talking about you know systems that you you manipulate for entertainment purposes um you know for a period of time with your with with your buddies you know we're not talking about solo games for the most part here so in general i would pri- i i would tend to prize engaging mechanics slightly above an engaging story or theme because i feel like i can get a fun story game almost anywhere it's hard it's rarer to get mechanics that really make me go oh cool i can make a game that make that gives me that gives me elves and or or give <laughs> yeah or I can get a game that gives me you know heroic combat type stuff or or, or horror in a lot of places. I can't get a, a game that gives me cool mechanics in a lot of places.
0: Okay, I I want to I'm gonna interject here for a second, um because I remembered what point three was in it and it fits here with what you're saying. I played a game called To the Moon, which is uh an excellent, uh Super Nintendo style, um. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- like top down uh pixel graphics you said that to me place it game yet. it's so good mm-hmm. it is like i i can't believe i'm gonna say this on the internet where my brothers will listen and make fun <laughs> of me. I cried like a child in the middle of this game, yeah bold move Cotton. yeah it is amazing mm-hmm. storytelling and music right it has no game, no game mechanics. So,
1: so that, that's a really interesting point. I think I think Tycho and Gabe, at, or probably Tycho more than Gabe, yeah. at Penny Arcade have made this point before. Where what we think of as games, uh-huh. like they, they're talking about video games, in particular, aren't really all one thing. Yeah, like there, like there are just time wasty games, like you would think of in the traditional sense of just things to pass an amusing afternoon, like so, that are equivalent to solitaire, just bejeweled stuff like that that is just
0: facebook games
1: yeah that is just here is a a system you can interact with it's simple you can try to make high numbers happen yeah or beat it or whatever then there are like full-on electronic sports that we interact with in the way that people interact with football you know it's it's a series of rounds that you try to win Uh over the other team at and real and you know they're they're world war ii they're space they're space marines they're dinosaurs that have katanas whatever see i'd play that one right but i mean like league of legends dota that stuff that's that's just football that's just a series of rounds and seasons and ah! and it's super competitive and as evidenced by the
0: fact that it has been monetized yeah. and made into seasons and it's, and there it's are just pros sports that play it. yeah. that's
1: all it is it's just a, it's 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 it scratches the itch to compete at a thing and to get good at a thing and to be better than other people at a thing yeah and then there are full-length digital novels that happen to have some interactive elements to them
0: yeah so actually Half-Life the Half-Life franchise is a very good example of that yeah Half-Life requires some skill mm-hmm. and and it has difficulty levels like any first-person shooter does but at the end of the day you could play through the game on easy and you would get the same story yeah. that you got out of playing through it on extremely difficult and
1: the the interactivity of it adds something it's different It definitely does it's, it's different than if you read Half-Life the novel but it's a fundamentally different kind of or experience. Or Half-Life the movie. Yeah. yeah. It's a fundamentally different kind of experience than playing Team Fortress 2. Right. Or something like that. And I think, I don't know that board games have that same kind of thing at the moment. I can't think of anything that really jumps out at me as a full-form
0: novel in cardboard form. Well, what's the one that uh, our friend at mid, uh, Vault of Midnight has tried to get us to play it? We just haven't had time to do it yet T- time stories oh yeah time stories yeah. time stories yeah, yeah yeah that having not played it seems like it's more on that level than it sure. is on a skill based yeah uh it's got enough mechanic to keep you engaged mm-hmm. and see what you can do but I, as i understand it little enough or, or at least not so difficult that you won't be able to complete the story, which is really the thing they're seeking to yeah, do. Yeah, that's the what game. you're
1: interested in doing is, yeah. is getting through that story. And they're presenting it to you in a different, in a deeply different medium than just literature or a movie or whatever. But that particular medium provides its own advantages and it's intriguing and interesting and exciting. Yeah. And this kind of harkens back to an early episode we did called The Soup is a Terrible Cake, where you have to judge the thing in front of you on what it is, not on what maybe it would be if it were different. Yeah. And sometimes when you're looking at an overall medium like board games or video games or even novels or movies, the thing you're looking at is not comparable to the thing you're un- subconsciously comparing it to. Uh-huh. And if that's the case, that comparison is useless. It's not giving you any useful way to judge that thing. Right. Uh it's sort of like how um you know, and this this might say more about me as a human being than anything else, but I was I I I teach English at community colleges. Um, And I have found myself at times subconsciously reading a student's paper with an unfair voice. Uh huh. Like, for lack of a better term, I'll read it with a dumb guy voice in my head instead of oh. a smart guy voice. And so, like, I caught myself, like, it, it took me a while of, of tutoring and teaching to catch myself at this. But when I did and started deliberately clicking the voice over to what if I read this as though this, per- with a smart guy voice in my head, the paper was fine. It was uh-huh. just that my preconceived notion of that student, I was treating that student as a soup when they
0: were actually a decent cake. Or, yeah, yeah, th- yeah. The student, based on what you yeah. know of the student, or based on the subject matter, or, or based they, on one mistake they made at the beginning of the right,
1: paper. Right. Or, or horribly, just the student has a personality that makes me think of a chachi bro, so I read it with a chachi bro Voice. accent yeah, in my yeah. head and give it a bad grader as a result. You know, so you, you, it's hard to judge things. Uh huh. Um, this is very far afield from variable player powers in asymmetric games, but you're right. You, you've you got to judge a thing by what it is. And and a story game like Level 7 has to be judged as a story. Yeah. It's got to be judged as how, how effectively does its mechanical structure get you through that story and, and make your choices impact your experience of the story.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, it's it, cool. It's really cool it and is. really exciting.
0: I, I'm excited for the time when games... So So... There were books and books. It it is it is understood. There are classics. There are respected authors. At some point, mm-hmm. and even to some degree, still, reading a story, reading a novel, is just like, what are you doing with your time? Come on, mm-hmm. stop yeah,
1: it. It's it's not that. You, reading, you've got better things to do. Yeah, you probably do. You probably do. But reading reading Faulkner, reading the latest D and D novel, equally going to put food on your plate, unless right. you're a professor of literature. But let's not go there. Um, but but even there, you're like when you read "quote unquote" literature with a capital L, you're talking about stuff that's doing something almost fundamentally different from, for lack of a better term, genre fiction. Sure, it's it's tr- deliberately, for the most part, or in many cases, and 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 explicitly, trying to place itself in a tradition of literature. It's thinking. I am trying to write for people reading for these particular things. I, I don't think I'm that's trying true. to do
0: the thing. I actually don't think that's true. I, and I think if that were the case, and it, we're going to go so far afield now, it, I'm it. hoping to bring it back, but I don't think that's true. If Faulkner sat down and was like, I'm going to write something that's going to become literature, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he would have written garbage. Well,
1: but Faulkner, well, no, no, no. Faulkner isn't thinking, I want to write something that's going to be literature. He's thinking, Faulkner's a very, pretty well-read guy. He's thinking, I want to write something that matches up to what I think of as literature, which he's, they're operating in this tradition. Okay, They're using this vocabulary in, in particular ways.
0: They're seeing what came before and deliberately trying to advance the form.: I don't think that's true. I think you're, I think you think that because you have a master's in creative writing. Uh, I think you are honestly, I, I'm going sure. I'm going to be a little mean. I think that is something that educated people say to make themselves feel better about themselves. I think good authors, mm-hmm. and to, to be nice to you for a second, I think you're a good author. <laughs> I, think you, I think you cripple yourself believing that that is the case. Because a, if you were to just write a, a story because this is the story I feel like telling, mm-hmm. you're a good enough writer that it would be good. When you write a story, and this is the thing I have complained about, watching the transformation of your writing from good to (laughs) garbage and then back to good again, (laughs) well-constructed garbage, but (laughs) garbage nonetheless in college, was I'm just writing because I enjoy writing and I know the things I've liked. And yes, I'm mirroring them, Tolkien and whoever, because that's what I grew up Mm -hmm. reading but I'm just going to write it to, like, there are forms, there are things that are capital L literature and things that are only genre fiction. And then coming out of college and writing co- more for yourself again, but still with that stuff in the back of mm-hmm. your head. I don't think any of those authors, I don't think any author who has sat down to say, I'm going to write capital L literature, anyone mm-hmm. who's sat down exclusively to say, I'm going to advance the form of artistic writing has ever written anything good.
1: I, I well, or at
0: least I, that thing hasn't been good. Maybe, sure. maybe one day, they, they Faulkner get to, or whoever well, yeah. sat down and was like, I'm going to do this. That was probably I, not their best story.
1: Probably not, but the, the, you, you, there is, I think, an element of competitiveness uh-huh. with past masters. Sure. With past people, or, or to, to put it in less absolute terms, past people, the individual writer regards as a master. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, Hemingway, pretty expl- you can find a pretty explicit quote where he's like, uh, I, I went, set out, and I beat... Uh, f- I can't remember who it is. Um, Turgenev is the guy he cites. Uh-huh. Uh, but you won't get me in a room with... Tol- in a, you won't get me to fight Tolstoy. You won't make me <laughs> do... So, like, you've got a pretty explicit... I am comparing myself... I am operating in this tradition, uh-huh. and I'm explicitly comparing myself with how I did against these guys. I beat Turgenev. Please don't compare me to Tolstoy. <laughs> so... Y- even if that's not who said that uh hemingway okay but hemingway hemingway was a huge competitive dick to begin with i'm probably overstating my case here um also you've hurt my feelings a little bit just slightly i I have no remorse no i know you don't you never have but uh I, i think that sense is more existent than you're giving it credit for
0: I, um, I, I, I I believe the sense is there i just think those people were wrong i think well that's, I, it, it may be an accident that hemingway wrote something great while trying to mm-hmm. write something great
1: i mean you're not even a particularly big hemingway fan to begin with uh, honestly I, I haven't understand. read
0: enough to make a decision but you, probably i wouldn't be no
1: you probably wouldn't care for him so but...
0: so where where i was going this before we derail for for more than the length of a normal podcast i know our second segment's short so i don't feel mm-hmm. feel bad going long here but uh what I wanted to say is I'm excited to see. So we've we've seen film become a thing where there are some are blockbusters and then there are films that's that stand the test mm-hmm. of time and sometimes those things cross over. Mm-hmm. But there are like, oh, you mean you went and saw the Avengers 16? Who cares? What? Why waste your time and money? And then there's mm-hmm. like, I saw insert art film name here. I don't sure. I don't care enough art about art films to know. But like cinema is a thing now it's, a, it's mm-hmm. an art form and it's respected and it has gotten to that point i want to see games get there i'm really excited Yeah,
1: yeah and that's the, that's the cool thing because like like the thing that makes it, it from what from what i think of with with cinema being like an art form that's unique and, is that there are things that are specific you can only do with a giant picture yeah you know with a giant moving picture and dialogue and stuff right and and uh that's what kind of elevate I don't want to say elevates because that's not a great term there but it's what makes a really great movie you're like wow that was really cool that couldn't have you couldn't have done that in a novel you might have told a great story that was very similar in a novel but it would have been a different thing because words on a page do a different you know work on the person uh uh, observing or reading or participating in it very differently game mechanics can do the same thing you know the game mechanics and work on the players differently to tell the same story, or the, or get across the same kind of idea than a movie would, or a novel would, or a, mm-hmm. or a painting would. That's cool. Is, I, I, that's where, we're on the same page there. I think yeah. games can do some really cool stuff,
0: um, in that way. Is it is it fair to say that the game mechanics are similar to not not the writing, uh not not the ability to write but like so look at Cormac McCarthy mm-hmm. or E. E. Cummings who are like I'm too good for punctuation <laughs> and wrote a book that wasn't for, like from a on a sentence by sentence basis wasn't necessarily bad mm-hmm. but made the choice to say I don't need quotations when people are talking frankly I I think that Cormac McCarthy is a dickweed for that very reason, and his books are impossible to read as a result, but is that a mechanic's choice, as far as writing goes, network going so far afield,
1: yeah, kinda, I would say, like I mean, you could take the story out of the road, uh-huh and and tell it with full punctuation and whatnot and it's a very different experience just by putting those quote marks on the page which is one of the things i think makes that book so cool
0: that's why i think that book sucks no no
1: no dude 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 it dude it adds so much i don't think it does and it's incredible how much it adds
0: i don't think it adds but
1: but yeah like that's the thing you can you can tweak about a gameplay mechanic to make it a very different experience for the player just by well, let's look. We've talked before about the difference between role-playing games and and straight board games, right? Uh-huh. Where you have a more explicit set of rules versus a looser, kind of do-your-thing set of rules. Mm-hmm. Just by moving yourself along that spectrum, by allowing the player a little more creativity and freedom to pour them whatever their notion of the game, in it, game could be into the story and the game, that opens up a lot that they can do with it. Mm-hmm. Just by the assumptions you kind of... Push the player to make about what, what you're doing. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think mechanics are similar to stylistic and presentation choices in okay. literature, your decisions about, you know, just what kind of language to use, or in, in film, your decisions about, I don't know a lot about film, but- Sure. You know, what kind of color palette to use. Or, or, or yeah,
0: is it black and white?
1: Yeah. Or how to stage your shots, are you going to, or are you going to, perspective, are you going to follow one character closely, mm-hmm. adopt an omniscient camera, are you going to have uh, voiceovers, that kind of thing? Sure. Man, it's so cool. It's so exciting. You can do so many cool things with stuff that then other people get to see and look at and do. And it's great. And you should do it. Go do it now. It's awesome. I'm really excited, even though you were mean to me in this episode. Good, and I'm, I'm going to cry tonight. i going to cry big brown uh,
0: I, I enjoyed this conversation, despite <laughs> it, it going so far away from the, the stated goal. But I, I think it was good. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. I, I wanted to mention To the Moon, really good. Um, I need to play that. Yeah, it gives you some agency. Like you move your characters around. You can. There's two characters you can play, and it lets mm-hmm. you choose which one. And I'm I'm half tempted to go back and play it a second time as the other character to see just how different the game is. Mm-hmm. Like the writing's decent. They throw the, the typical like. It, it looks basically like Final Fantasy on the SNES mm-hmm. uh, graphically. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and they throw the same sort of typical like uh square enix nintendo like even in a various situation in a in a very serious situation there's occasional like weird video gamey jokes and you're like oh they're they're being snarky even though like they're talking about something really hard hitting like the death of a mother or whatever mm-hmm. it is sure um it, it's pretty good uh they, they used the medium well I, i'm interested to see if it's different than the others but there's not a ton of agency like when they want you to be able to know that, like you, oh, you could wander around and do more, or you could advance the plot, they straight out tell you. They're like, mm-hmm. "Would you like to do this, or would you like to explore the house some more?" And you're like, "Do I do I need to? I've been in I've been in all the house. I'm just gonna go. I I was quicker through this game." Like, I I chose the don't explore option more than I ever would because Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to play this in one sitting. And it was (laughs) like four o'clock in the morning when I finished. But I haven't had time for games in a while. And I was just like, I'm going to do one and just be done with it. Just do it right. yeah. Uh, But that game was really good. There's one I haven't played yet called That Dragon Cancer, which is a very, like, artistic approach to games. I don't know how the mechanics work, but it's by a guy whose child Mm. died of cancer. And this game is his. Like, this is what we went through.
1: I I read Tycho from Penny Arcade's review of that, and I'm like, I might not need to experience that. I do need life. to
0: experience it right now. But the reason I played To the Moon was I was having one of those like I need to be sad right now. I am mm-hmm. going to make myself sad right now. Uh, and I already had the san- soundtrack from To the Moon, and I, it's one of those. It's really like some of it's mediocre, some of it's really incredible, mm-hmm. and it was already like. Just sit and be sad music. Right. Before you even knew what it was about. And so I was just like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. I'm just gonna be sad for a few hours. Yeah. And it was good. So uh we'll we'll post both links to both of those games in the show notes Absolutely. as well. But
1: you had a you had a second question on there oh, that man. we haven't gotten back to. Problem. Yeah. Uh can you could you create a game like chess that was purely mechanical? you know there's no narrative to it uh, and have it work today and have it really achieve any kind of success i don't know that you could create chess today and have it do that because i mean like chess and go and stuff like that do. but there's a game called hive which is ostensibly about insect hives fighting each other but really not it's just a mechanical game sure that's pretty fun and it's gotten some good reviews there's a game called push fight that uh penny arcade to just keep pimping them oh, this week i that guess looks,
0: is, that, is that the one that that guy made like a million years ago yeah and then they picked up that,
1: because Tycho played it at one convention or something yeah i yeah. want that game it's, not
0: enough to pay that much money for it but right? like it's, it's absolutely okay that it costs that because the 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 physical pieces to make the game work are yeah are really cool. Looking. Are very yeah. different, but also gorgeous. Like and I want, I want it.
1: It's similar with Hive. They're they're these really thick hex uh, hex tiles oh, nice. that you play with, and they go in a bag, and they're really chunky and nice to play with. I got to play it once. I
0: think Push Fight actually requires it though. Like it's a really unique.
1: Yeah, it's a cool game. I, I highly recommend it's on Penny Arcade's website, which you probably know of because you're a nerd. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, you can create it. I don't know that you're ever. I mean, it's it's impossible to predict if it will have the impact of Chess, which is sure. You know a a part of western civilization not
0: just western civilization yeah, exactly. it's part of civilization
1: exactly but you could create a game that people will buy and play and have a great time with that's yeah. purely mechanical um i'm trying to think of other examples here that those are the two that come to mind i feel push like that, and, yeah and coming
0: hive. up it's basically like inventing a new mechanic like I, they're out there mm. for sure yeah i don't know i, I mean i mean but, but hive, you shouldn't have to bank on it yeah
1: hive and push fight there mechanics mechanics I feel like they, I mean they've got like jumping over each other and putting pieces on the
0: board, yeah, type stuff. It's, sure,
1: it, but they're it, it's.
0: But they interact very differently. Yeah. Like, what's the game we played? It was basically chess, but you choose your own army. Uh, Lionheart is the one I've got in my closet. Is it older? No, probably not. Then it was. I don't think it was that. It was okay. one that you had from like at least from high school, if not earlier. You had Standees. Oh yeah, that's Lionheart. That's Lionheart. Yeah, oh, I thought it was older than it was. I guess.
1: Like it's it's got like peasants and heavy infantry and stuff yeah. and archers yeah that's Lionheart okay Lionheart is pretty cool if you find a I don't think they make it anymore but if you find a cheap copy it's a lot of fun that's
0: that's another grid base we're going to talk about those on, in another episode but yeah. a, a basic uh, a, a little a little beyond chess as far as choices and, mm-hmm. and stuff but similar yeah. So, uh, we have another very short segment coming up, so please don't give up on us. Just, the the second one won't be this long. It won't be as long as, (laughs) Did we run uh, over? Uh, uh, we're, we're at, we're at 54 minutes. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, so, (laughs) uh, we'll, we'll do the, uh, the how you can contact us now. And then the, the next one is a mildly alarming theater. So it's pretty short, but we hope you enjoy it. So, uh. We hope you enjoyed this. If you have anything you'd like to add to the conversation, you could do that on Twitter at Mildly Alarming. You can do it uh, at email at show at gmail.com. You could do it on the website in the comment section at www.MildlyAlarming.com or on Facebook.com slash MildlyAlarmingShow. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and TuneIn Radio.
1: Or you could just, uh, just no, Johannes didn't actually hurt my feelings all that bad tonight. We're, we're best friends. It's fine. I'm not. I'm not crying at all. It's cool. You could just know that. I, I just want you all to know that we we we're you know we're just like this. I'm holding up my fist for him to bump right now. Bump, yeah. So it's cool. Uh, you can know that,
0: and then we will also know your question because you know that now. So have fun with that. And we'll be back uh, after this word from our sponsors with a brief-ish,
1: mildly alarming theater. It's not that long, I don't think.
0: I don't know either, but it's good. You'll enjoy it. Just listen. And now, a special message from Dr. Lionel Tentingwager, professor of obscure medicine at the California University of Vermont at Ohio, Tampa Bay campus.
1: Hello. As many of you know, vaccines have been in the news a good deal recently due to certain arguments that they are unsafe or even are the cause of autism in small children, I wanted to clear the air a little and bring some facts to the table. Vaccines, emphatically, do not cause autism. They are, however, unsafe, particularly the polio vaccine. Because of the polio vaccine, in the last half century, not a single national leader has been rendered wheelchair-bound, ...and had to overcome the stigmas of his time to lead our great nation through the Second World War. This dreadful condition is known to the medical community as Franklin Delano Roosevelt Syndrome... ...and is, I believe, the gravest public health threat that we face in modern times. So please, before you get your child vaccinated for polio... Consider the possibility that he may otherwise grow up to fix the economy, defeat a German dictator, and have a wide variety of extramarital affairs. Thank you.
0: I feel compelled to add that you should not, by any means, follow any of the preceding advice. Good evening. Professor Silly Wumpus. Come in, come in. You must be Teddy.
1: Yeah, that's that's me. Uh, the, um, the packet said that you're my academic advisor?
0: That's me. Have a seat, young man, and welcome to St. Bozo's College of Clowning and General Buffoonery. Thank you, sir.
1: I'm just so excited to be here. It's, it's been my dream to come to St. Bozo since I was eight,
0: drawing on clown makeup with my mom's lipstick. Well, I've looked over your academic record, and it seems you're in the right place. Advanced placement juggling, president of your high school cream pie club, and it looks like you lettered in pratfalls. I'm a fair hand at falling downstairs too, and I took a year of mime. Fantastic, my boy, fantastic. Now, they'll have had you sign up for classes during orientation, yes? Uh, Yes, sir. I have the form right here. Excellent. Let me see. Yes, basic clownery 101. Introduction to shenanigans, yes, yes. Floppy shoes throughout history, good to have an understanding of your roots. Hmm. A good spread, young man, but I see a very serious deficit here.
1: Oh? I I thought I'd covered all the intro requirements fairly well. I I made sure to get applied maths pertinent to theoretic capacities of the automobile. Most
0: of them, yes, but I don't see intro to murder on here. Intro to the what now? Murder? Intro to Murder? Did you say? Of course. Or more properly, Murder 101, Introduction to Clown Murdering. Though I've always thought we should call it Murder by Clown. The other way sounds like it's the clown being murdered, and we all know that isn't how it goes. But that jackanape, Professor Rubberbun, had to have it his way. But what goes on in that class? What do you mean, what goes on in that class? It covers the basics of being a murderous sociopathic clown, preying upon the weak and culling the sickly and slow to build yourself a stable of slaves for the bleak, grey afterlife. What on earth else would it cover? Clowns murder people? Of course clowns murder people! Have you seen a clown before? Or did you just think it was all whimsical juggling and smacking each other on the arse with paddles? The second one! Obviously! Well, I must say, I am disappointed that a student as promising as you doesn't understand one of the very basic building blocks of modern clowning. Brandishing kitchen knives while giggling, lurking in abandoned amusement parks, standing silently at the ends of hallways while people scoot back away from your terrifying rictus grin. These are all crucial skills for a clown in the modern workplace and if you're starting off behind on all of them, you'll have to work very hard to catch up. Now, I think you can do it. You're excellent on stilts, and the skill sets overlap. Still, I would recommend you take Murder 010, Remedial Death, this semester. It doesn't count toward your program, but it will set you up for success down the line. Are you sure that murder is an essential part of clowning?
1: Couldn't I be a non murderous clown?
0: Both impractical and antithetic to the clown spirit, I'm afraid. Nobody is hiring clowns who don't haunt the night like specters of garish death, and at any rate, I couldn't in good conscience condone such a thing. A clown that doesn't murder is like a dog that doesn't eat its own leavings. Preposterous. Anyway, we don't have any programs without a murder component, so you'll need to complete the coursework regardless of if you try to make a go at murderless clownery. Wow. I'm not even sure I want to be a clown now. It is a high calling, my boy, and not for everyone.
1: Well, thanks anyway, Professor. I think I'll go try one-eyed fisherman with a hook for a hand,
0: College. I wish you all the best, young man. Hmm. Not a bad choice if he wants to avoid murder, I suppose. (laughs) Quiet down there. I'll deal with you later.
1: Recently, it has come to our attention that some of our jokes may reference things that happened in earlier episodes
0: and thus fly over the heads of new readers. So we thought we'd take a few minutes here to provide a brief introduction to the wonderful, if mildly alarming, world of our podcast. Also, their listeners. You idiot. Right then. To start out,
1: I'm Tom Rich, one of the hosts. I play and make board games and podcasts with my associate here. My role on the podcast is an idiot- pretending to be a clever man
0: i'm johanna stauffer also one of the hosts i do all of the hard work because tom is useless my role on the podcast is an idiot pretending to be a different kind of idiot
1: gary smulahan lives in a tent behind a walmart where he repairs motorcycles he's the host of the gary smulahan show which comes on right after our show his other show meatball parade has been canceled He owns a sea turtle ranch in Cabuño, St. Fransuelo, Mexico, where he spends his winters, summers, and also the other two seasons. He lives there. That's where his house is. I lied about the Walmart thing.
0: Alphonse is our hairless, yet here suit friend whose allergies we once spent half an episode mocking because we are monstrous, repulsive villains. Devin is a man that we know. He can karate two times at once. Chip Beauvais is a game designer who has been on our podcast not once, but twice. This makes him our best friend, and invited to our birthday parties. He's
1: that fellow what designed Gravwell, right?
0: You're thinking of Corey Young. Again. This has been an example of the running gag where Tom is dumb.
1: The 5-Minute Geek Show is our vile nemesis, its nipples bedecked with ill-gotten jewels set in elaborate gold piercings. This symbolizes decadence.
0: My brothers are the other male offspring of my parents. They listen out of pity and or contempt. My sister once did a voice on the show, also out of pity and or contempt.
1: Our wives married us of their own free wills, and that is 100% not a lie.
0: Chumps. Protospiel is a game design thing we went to one time where we met Uva and Gunter from Academy Games. We referenced them in an effort to feel important in the world. Snoop Dogg is a famous rap music artist who is the living opposite of our show. The Harpy and whatever the Hella Gabo is are guests who once came on the show to talk to us. Between the two of them, they abandoned over eight hundred bags of corn chips in the studio.
1: Booze in the News is a segment we do when we're feeling lazy. It
0: is actually more work than a regular segment. Themeballin' is a segment we do when Tom's feeling lazy. It is unpleasant and sticky. Wrong about books is a segment we do when we finish reading books. It is pretentious and tedious. I think that about covers it. What
1: about games from our childhood? Remaking the game, board game smashorama, mildly alarming theater.
0: None of those are real.
1: Are they unreal or is it in fact we who are unreal? That is to say our perceptions are the things that
0: <sighs> much better. And now back to the Johannes Stauffer podcast that never had a co-host. What are you talking about with me?